Welcome to the Danielle Newnham podcast, where I interview tech founders and innovators to learn the inspiring human stories behind the game-changing tech we use every day. I wanted to try something a little different today. I've been asked in the past about doing shortened versions of my podcast episodes, so I thought I'd test it out today with some wonderful takeaway tips from the brilliant Diraj Mukherjee, co-founder of Shazam turned investor. In this 14-minute episode, Diraj talks me through four lessons that he learned from building Shazam into one of the most recognized apps of our time. And I think these lessons are useful for any entrepreneur looking to start, build, scale, and sell their startup. From coming up with a viable idea to picking the right investors and what to do once you launch, these takeaways will help you get to your startup off to a flying start. As always, let me know what you think and if you would like to hear more of these shortened episodes with tangible takeaway lessons. For now, over to Diraj. Diraj and his family travelled a lot when he was a child and that forged a great adaptability in him which would serve him well as an entrepreneur later in life. But what also helped was an important piece of advice from his grandfather. I was just listening to a podcast about child development uh, which was talking about exposing children to new experiences so that they don't have fears and don't develop phobias and that's what happened to me almost accidentally because of being forced into lots of different cultures and different languages and different school systems that I was forced to adapt and adjust and in many cases what would have been a strength in one context became a weakness and sometimes the other way around. I guess that was a really formative part of my development which I wasn't aware of at the time. But my grandfather was a big inspiration for me and he always said to me, if you put your mind to something, then you can make it happen. And that's something which I was conscious of and which I carried with me. So how did Diraj start his entrepreneurial journey? Unlike many entrepreneurs who may have a problem in mind that they want to solve, Diraj and his co-founders, Philippe Engelbrecht and Chris Barton, just knew they wanted to start a company. So what did they do? they started to brainstorm ideas. The term I use, we were entrepreneurs. We just wanted to be entrepreneurs, but we didn't have any particular starting point. So we would brainstorm ideas. Most of them, frankly, were terrible. (laughs) The idea for Shazam being able to identify music over mobile phone was originally Chris's idea. And we all shared this pain of, you know, hearing this music and not knowing what it was and whether it was in cafes or bars or pubs. So we could instantly relate to it. And then the idea sort of progressed over time in terms of being able to find out more about the artist, for instance, or be able to share music. But we agreed that that was the idea that we would follow up on. But it wasn't as easy as that. They needed someone who could create the technology. They needed a brilliant technical co-founder. Enter Dr. Avery Wang. 
when we started Shazam between Chris, Philippe and I, three MBAs, we didn't have a clue about even the domain of science that was needed to identify music using a mobile. It turns out it was digital signal processing. We talked to various agencies and experts and companies who had developed music pattern technology to see if we could use any existing technology. And we discovered, first of all, there wasn't anything out there. And second, anyone we spoke to just thought we were mad because the challenge was so substantial. So we realized that we had to actually invent the technology from scratch. And that's how Avery joined us as our chief scientist and fourth co-founder to tackle this problem and wrestle it to the ground. Investment is probably one of the biggest pain points for founders early on in their startup journeys. Diraj and the team had assembled the founders and had started to work on the tech, but without investment, they couldn't hire the core team nor validate their work. So they set about finding the right investment from the right investors. The early days was about Avery developing a demo which we could take to angel investors and and show them not only the idea, but also a working prototype. And we raised about a million dollars in the summer of 2000. And then that allowed us to hire the core team. Now, what had happened was that I worked for a company called Vine. I left in March of 2000, which was incidentally the week that uh, the NASDAQ peaked. Once the internet bubble burst, it was just a complete disaster. And my old company, Viant, went bankrupt. And so suddenly we found all these great people who were highly qualified and were looking for a job. We had the opportunity to hire some fantastic engineers, some brilliant marketing people, being able to use the friends and family connections because times were terrible all around. We were actually very lucky in the sense that we hit the angel target of a million dollars, which allowed us to get going. And then we started almost immediately raising our Series A venture round. And that was much more challenging because the bar was set much higher in terms of proving the business. So we had to go out and do a national survey to prove that there was demand for this kind of service. We then had to demonstrate that the algorithm which Avery had developed would work at scale. We then did a partnership with a company which had roughly a third of the songs in the UK to demonstrate that it could work with more than a few hundred tracks that we had in our demo. And it took us actually 13 months from start to finish. But we raised 5.3 million pounds, eight and a half million dollars, more or less on the back of a PowerPoint deck and some evidence. So we were exceptionally lucky that our early investors had faith in us and were able to take on that kind of risk, despite all the challenges. In fairness and in retrospect, they were rewarded for that risk, which they took. We used a combination of targeting people who we thought would be fantastic mentors. So for instance, the chairman of EMI, we spoke to the chief technologist of BT. We approached people who understood the domains which we knew very little about in music and mobile. I think in every case, it was a combination of naive enthusiasm and the power of the technology demonstration that uh, Avery had created where people said, hey, you know, maybe it's worth a small punt. It is worth remembering that investors can play a large part in the success of your business, and not just in a monetary way. One of the conditions of our funding from 
our venture investors, which was led by IDG Ventures, is that we hired a CEO with some gray hair. We're very fortunate to bring on board uh, Jerry Roost, who was previously at NTL, who was, he was like a father figure to us. And, you know, we learned a tremendous amount uh, working with him. He described us once as like a kid's football team, like all the kids would rush after the football, wherever it was. And he brought some order to this. And so we played in position. We tried to have some structure. And he's the one who, I guess, coached me on what does it take to run a launch. He said, write down every single thing which needs to be done and then talk to everyone and work out when it's going to be done and tell me when that's going to be. So I did. And I said, we're going to launch on Friday, the 16th of August. He said, "Mm, you know, Friday is not such a great day for launch. I said, fantastic. Well, let's launch on Monday, the 19th of August. And so it was. I ran around coordinating across every department making sure that every team did what needed to be done to check that item off this gigantic spreadsheet, which ran six feet long when you printed it out. And on Monday, the 19th of August, as we promised to Jerry, we launched. He was in his suit and tie uh, doing an interview for CNN. And we went down to a bar that night on Poland Street and celebrated late into the night. So Diraj and his co-founders had the team, the management, and launch under their belts. But what next? The thing so many startups fail to utilize efficiently, and that is marketing. Growth often happens in direct correlation to marketing, because after all, if no one knows you exist, how can you expect your customers to find you? We hired a marketing director. Vijay had a fantastic background. He used to work at NME. He used to work at uh, Capital Radio. So he really understood both music and marketing. And what we did was a number of different trials to try to get the word out about the service. So we tested SMS as a method. We did some pilot uh, TV ads. We tried posters. We did guerrilla tactics, like we hijacked a music industry event and plastered the toilet with ads. But we found the one thing which worked was radio advertising. And the way it worked was we would book the slot at the end of the ad break. And the ad would say something like, there's a new service called Shazam. And you can use it to identify music on your mobile. Here's how. Dial 2580 straight down the middle of your mobile and hold it up to the music for 10 seconds. Shazam will hang up and you'll get a text message with the name of the song and the artist. Try it on the next song now. And we would make sure that that first song which came on was always in our database. And people would say, what? Hang on. How does that work? And they'd try it. And that's how we started getting traction. Our goal was 100,000 users or customers by Christmas, which we did by Christmas of 2002. When we started out, our first goal was to raise money. So we pledged that we would dye our hair if we managed to raise a venture round. So Chris, Philippe and I, as soon as we closed our venture round, we dyed our hair in various shades of, I had red, I think Chris went blonde and we pushed off to Ibiza for a three-day unauthorized break. Avery said, hang on a second, I will dye my hair when we get to a million customers, which seemed a very, very, very long way off. He eventually did it on St. Patrick's Day 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And even then, million seemed a big number. 
But then over time, as the numbers grew, we found, in fairness, very hard work. But 10 years in, Shazam had been used a billion times. And now billion feels like a really big number. But uh, it's amazing how things change because it went from dialing this four-digit code to being an app on the iPhone and being available around the world. So the next billion after that took just a year. The next billion after that took two months. <laughs> Suddenly, it was just a completely different beast. The investors wanted senior management right from the very first round. And that was a, a good push because, as I mentioned, both Jerry and Vijay and, and other execs. So Klaus Nemzow came in as our international director. And it was just one of those important steps in professionalizing the team. As entrepreneurs, our job descriptions were very fluid. We did whatever it took to keep the company alive, really. And being able to grow and scale a business needs to be more grown up, more structured, more methodical. And uh, we ended up in shape to be able to do that with advice from people like Simon Murdoch, who was one of our early angel investors, big supporter and you know, tremendously experienced executive and investor even today. So at the time, we may have chafed a little bit at the adult supervision, but uh, it certainly made a huge difference. Coming full circle from founder to investor, Diraj now mentors, advises and invests in startups himself. So I asked him what he looks for in a founder. This is perhaps a little narrow-minded, but I look for that profile which reminds me of us. And what that means is driven by passion, a little bit naive, relentless, won't take no for an answer. Any door which is opened will seize the opportunity what I call the mind of an entrepreneur, which is being able to pursue this dream, but know when to be flexible and know when to take input. So it's just sort of like a balancing act between, you know, relentless, but flexible at the same time. And that's why it's very, very difficult to look at it analytically. So it's just a feeling one gets from people's habits, uh, the way they think, their confidence, that never say die. At the end of the day, if Shazam hadn't worked out, I would have still looked back on the experience and said, hey, you know, I learned something from that. I don't expect my investments to work out. Statistically, nine out of 10 will go bust. But if I can enjoy the experience and those entrepreneurs can say, hey, you know, we learned something, then that's fantastic. And I'm hoping that two, three, four, five of them will go on and have great stories to tell. And that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Imagine being able to change the world as a founder and then as an impact investor. As Dira shared with us today, founders can have a huge impact and touch the lives of millions or even billions if they are able to find success with their startup. And whilst it won't be easy, there are some steps which can help you on your path. Firstly, find your game-changing idea. Secondly, pick a core team of employees and investors that you can trust and completely rely on when times get tough, which they inevitably will. Thirdly, preparation is key. Don't be caught out because you haven't anticipated and planned for different eventualities. Startups are unpredictable, but there are many pitfalls which can be avoided with some careful planning. Finally, don't forget to plan for what happens post-launch. There is a misconception that if you build it, they will come but they won't if they don't know about it. Preparation keeps the startup on target. Growth is what keeps it alive. 
Thanks so much for listening to this shortened episode with Diraj Mukherjee. And do let me know what you think. I'm keen to know what you think of these shortened versions of existing episodes because I know a lot of podcasts that are doing it, um, these shortened versions each week. And I've just been wondering about it. And obviously some people have asked also. So please let me know if this is something you want to hear more of. Also, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. I'm doing my best to keep all of these episodes ad-free, but I so appreciate the shares and likes. It lets me know what you think of the podcast and which episodes resonate the most, which obviously can help me shape the lineup for all kind of future series. Finally, I always like to leave you with a quote, and today is no different. And this one comes from Diraj's co-founder, Philippe Engelbrecht. Because if you listen to the full episode that I did with Diraj, you'll know that I interviewed all the Shazam founders, which were four, four of them, um, about 10 years ago now for a book that I wrote. And here is the quote from Philippe. Think big and shoot for the moon. Plan for every person to use your product at some point in time. It's much better to fall short of a lofty goal than to exceed a reasonable projection. <laughs>